you're listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast. This is a pretty good choice if you ask me. Find more podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler, I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am privileged today to welcome a new guest, Kathy Whalen, to the program. Kathy, would you take a minute to introduce yourself? Hi, Megan. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, you can probably tell by the accent. I'm Irish. I'm uh, a Dublin-born girl, and uh, for the most part of life, I've lived here. But uh, the last couple of years, I was abroad. I came back, and I have been operating as an independent uh, tour guide and tour small, very private, small tour operator. So uh, at the moment, I'm obviously sitting at home with the, the, the COVID situation going on and the government not allowing us to do anything and welcome our buddies from abroad. But uh, on normal times, that's what I do. And uh, I absolutely love it. I get to meet people like, well, sometimes people like Megan when when uh, fairies and things like that don't disrupt <laughs> our plans. <laughs> yeah, so, so Kathy and my relationship is based on a failed tour because... Mm-hmm. We came over from Wales to Ireland on the most treacherous ferry ride during one of these named storms, and Kathy was without power, but still using the battery that her laptop had to, like, you know, essentially direct us in and contact the the, the ferry to make sure that we were going to land and all this craziness. Um, and then it just we couldn't make it work because the weather was so crazy, but. Yeah. Um, Welcome to Ireland. It was a good trip still. And um, you were recommended to me by a travel agent friend of mine who I implicitly trust. And I wanted to, you know, pick your brain as to when this whole situation resolves, why travel agents and why travelers should invest their time and their dollars in Ireland and for travel agents there's training required they need to invest time and get certificates and specialization and credentials and I just want you to help you know kind of excite us as to why Ireland is worth their time and their dollars and I think that you're just the person to do that so are you ready to get started? I sure as hell am. Um, <laughs> I think in fairness I mean it goes without saying first of that when we're talking about our American or Canadian buddies, there is just a synchronicity. I think there's a natural curiosity for Ireland. But working on the ground with, you know, people like yourselves and and different travel agents in the States, the ones who already know about here, I think it's fair to say, and okay, I am a little bit biased, but Mm -hmm. Ireland, I feel, and I've lived abroad, so I'm not just sort of rose-tinted glasses sitting in, you know, in this little hovel. Um, it is very, very unique. Anybody who comes here, they go home, they stay in touch, 
and they look back on it the same as us. It's unique. It's very small. It's tiny, but it's so diverse for such a small place. I think the beauty of it is there's something for everyone. Uh, You know, whether you want your little cosmopolitan city break running around in the sides of Dublin or if you've never been exposed to the countryside, there's very few places in the world you'll get on a tour bus and it might take you three hours to get to your destination. But you'll see about 10 amazing places en route. Mm. Uh, We've so much history, so much beauty, whether it's uh, geographical beauty, whether it's the countryside beauty. But honestly, I think if I had to sum up Ireland, what makes it unique, it is, and it's said all over the world, it's the people. Of course. Because you step off a plane, you go into any Irish pub, Irish restaurant, people, when we say Cade Mita Fulcha, that is the uh, the Irish expression, 100,000 welcomes. Now, you go into many countries and you'll get a welcome, but here we genuinely do give you 100,000 welcomes. And it's sincere. We love people. We love to talk. The best way I could define Ireland, and I've done it myself on many an occasion, you could get on a bus with a total stranger, travel two or three hours, sit and, you know, expose your your deepest, darkest life secrets, get off the bus and then go, Jeannie, I wonder what that person's name was. You know, honestly, I have done it myself. I've crashed into people for hours on end. I think it's our personality. It's the fact that we love people. We love having the crack. That is a a perfectly legal term to have in Ireland. You know, people think, oh, my God, the crack. Mm -hmm. But the crack actually means fun. And even, you know, through the worst times of everything, even this COVID pandemic, the things that were, you know, doing the rounds on Facebook were all funny. You know, we just we find the humor and everything. And I think that's intoxicating for people coming into a country to just feel they can blend in, let their cares go away um, and be whoever they want to be. And we really don't care. So long as you're nice to us, we'll be nice and everybody has a great time. So apart from beautiful sights, beautiful sounds, beautiful smells, great food, it's the people. Mm -hmm. It really is the people. Wonderful. If people wanted to find you online, where could they do that? Mm -hmm. Well, my, my first port of call, I always say, is Facebook, my uh, Kathy Whelan independent tour page, because all of the other links and platforms that I would be associated with around the world of the States or Europe, etc., they're all very distinct platforms, but they're all listed there. Okay. So really, Facebook is my uh, my go-to. Okay, well, I will put that in the show notes. You will also have a profile so people can click on that and see your face. So um, so anyway, actually, I'm moving to a new platform, so you might not have a profile, but if it's not, it'll be your face will, you know, I'll do your headshot and your bio in the in the show notes. You'll still be in the in the show notes so everybody can, can get a hold of you uh, all sure. that way. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right back to this episode on Ireland with tour guide Kathy Whalen. What about, you know, when the festivities of St. Patrick's Day were canceled for 2020? And what was your reaction to that? Honestly, it's a twofold one for me because my cousin, coincidentally, is the chief executive officer for the St. Patrick's Day Festival. So on, on a personal note, I felt very sorry for her because even when the festival, say, of 2019 is going on, 
they're already on calls all around the world, most likely the States, because most of it now is the marching bands coming in from different universities and things. So I felt for her on a personal note because it was so much work down the drain. It was a huge problem for our economy because it is the one day of the year where, you know, you have maybe half a million people on the streets of Dublin. They're then going into the bars, the cafes, the restaurants. It's a bit of a joke now that, you know, Temple Bar is red the rest of the year and on St. Patrick's Day it's green because you can't move to be dressed up as leprechauns. But on the other hand, I totally agreed with it, if I'm honest, because even though the Irish people are known as rebels and we like to do our own thing and we take kind of, uh, you know, rules as a suggestion, Honestly, through the COVID pandemic, people took it very seriously. We stayed home. We did what we were told. And we had a genuine concern for everybody's health, everybody's safety. As a nation, we're very used to pulling together, whether it was, you know, famine times or whether it was our fight for independence, etc. So when the going gets tough, we do what we have to. And financially, economically, uh, it was difficult, but I think it was absolutely the right thing to do because we didn't know enough about this virus. We'd already had a couple of deaths. Mm. Um, it just wasn't worth putting, you know, a, a hundred thousand extra people at risk if we were all kind of sniffling and sneezing out on the cold on the streets in mm. March. You know. But, you know, bigger and better, What, what you know, we, we got through it. Uh, at the moment, it's looking like they are going to try to do it next year. Mm. And with a bit of, you know, okay, maybe next year might be a little quieter than other years. Or it could go the other way where people will say, well, we missed it last year. Let's make it bigger and better. Um, but it was the right thing to do this year because it wasn't worth people dying for the sake of, you know, a bit of a party on the street. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to go. People, I, I mean, there is pent up demand in the US, especially by the time this airs, because people had to yeah. c- cancel their plans for so long. And yeah. and at this point, you know, m- my country of, you know, I don't want to say diseased people, but at least, you know, the uh, stereotype of mm. are not welcome uh, overseas. Yeah. But they want to be and they want to plan their trips. So I, I don't know if it will be quieter due to restrictions or, yeah, like you said, yeah. like if it'll be the best party that ever happened. I don't know. It's actually, believe it or not, it's very hard for us because primarily, and I don't just say this to, you know, blow hot air. I genuinely mean this, that if you ask most tour guides in this country, who are their favorite people to work with, they will generally say they're American friends or mm-hmm. they're Canadian friends because of that kind of synchronicity that I mentioned and the, the ties that we have and all of that. And it's hard for us because there has been one or two American tourists who've sneaked in. Oh, my. They've then uh, been refused when they've, they've uh, said they haven't quarantined. People have had to refuse taking them on their tours and they've wasted their money. Um, It's a difficult one for us because primarily that's the market we like. You know, if we're honest, I think Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. like. But on the other hand, it's the one that we have to turn down because of how bad it is over in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very touchy 
subject. It's a dodgy one. And I can understand, I mean, I had a whole pile of tours booked in, private walking tours, private small group tours from families. And literally within the space of 24 hours in March, every one of my tours, you know, it was like a domino effect. Sorry, Kathy, got to cancel. Sorry, Kathy, got to cancel. Now, I'll honour them all next year, as most of us will, if we, you know, we can and people still want to come. But I can certainly understand the itchy pants. You know, people just want to get out of the States. And mm. women in here is the worst place to come because we've probably got the tightest regulations going on in Europe, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, well, I I certainly hope for all of us that that changes. And, of course, yeah. that we resolve this COVID situation, however yeah, that needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. So as a local Dublin-born gal, how mm. would you, just in like maybe a one-word answer... If you were to think about, you know, if someone said to you, what imagery uh, does Ireland evoke? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Greenness. Mm. Mm -hmm. That would be one word. Um, If you get outside Dublin City and you have, you've seen it yourself. Yep. As soon as you get out the border uh, of the, the, the county, it's green. And it's pretty much green no matter where you go. And it's why we have the, 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 the reputation, the 40 shades of green. So that would be, <laughs> you know, it, it's true. Yeah. I hadn't heard that 40 shades of green before, but I like it. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what about a sound or a smell? Mm, there's lots of them. I think sound for me would be a live trad band playing in a pub. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because everywhere you go, again, in Dublin, in Ireland, there's music, no matter what time of the day it is. Um, a Did you say taste after that? I'd said smell, but I would take a taste. Okay, well, a smell, honestly, this might sound like a crazy thing to say, but it's water. Whether it's the smell of the ocean, whether it's the smell of the damp in the air, uh, I think the smell of Ireland is very unique. It's a clean, wet smell. Mm. Um, the taste, mm, that's an interesting one. I could be, well, I'm a non-drinker, but generally when you say that to Irish people, they say, ah, sure, a pint of Guinness or a whiskey. <laughs> uh, for me, the taste would be fried Irish breakfast first thing in the morning. Mm. Rations, sausages and things like that. Grease. Yes. Oh, yeah, please. I will take some of that right now. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's good. I, 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 I think that, I mean, since I've experienced it, I, I would agree with all of those things. And, and really, the, the greenness and the freshness is true. It's just everything grows. It's, it's, yeah, I like that. So now for like the average or should I say first time Irish tourist or for a travel agent that hasn't um, sold Ireland or planned Ireland, but maybe has been requested Ireland. Mm -hmm. There are two Irelands, the Republic of and Northern. And I don't know that the average person would know the distinctions. And I think, I mean, even as soon as you cross the border, you start to see these very distinct uh, cultural Absolutely. things but could mm. you speak to that well most people you're absolutely right they're they're either going to be very knowledgeable 
and they will know. Uh, we don't even call it Northern Ireland. The British people call it Northern Ireland. We call it the North of Ireland. Okay. Um, it's a way of us distinguishing that it's all one island. However, I've had passengers that genuinely they come into Dublin and as we're going over the border into Belfast, they'll say, do we need our passport? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very aware that we're two countries on one island. But for the most part, people don't differentiate until we cross over. And then they they see the different road signs. They hear the different accent. Uh, they realise they need to spend sterling instead of euro. I think culturally, it is actually very different. There's beauty in both places, but it's a very different beauty. I love Northern Ireland, or North of Ireland, as we call it, but uh, it is very, very different. And I think for an agent trying to book, my honest answer is, don't do one, do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Because genuinely, if you want to get an experience and a real historical insight into Ireland, I mean... We didn't end up this way by default. Obviously, people who are kind of, you know, up on history or even a vague interest in history will know we fought long and hard for our independence from uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but those distinctions are there. You go into Northern Ireland, they have their own food, they have their own way of saying things, they have their own beautiful landscape. And Belfast in particular, if you've gone around, you know, that fight for freedom and the uh, war between Catholics and Protestants, all of that is still very much evident in the artwork on walls and things. So they are by absolutely, not without a shadow of a doubt, two very different countries on the one island. So again, I think from a, a, a travel agent point of view, just getting to grips with the fact that we really are different and what those differences are. The people up north would take offence to being called Irish sometimes. <laughs> and likewise, when we're referred to as British, we don't like it down here in the south, you know. So that is a big thing to consider. But we're equally as friendly, but just in different ways, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and really, if you were planning, you know, a Dublin and Belfast spread, you could experience both really easily. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that's, a, I think, a starter point is to hover between those two cities and maybe you like do a spoken wheel type thing where you, you know, kind of stay in Dublin and do some day trips or stay in Belfast and do some day trips or something like that, um, which is which is kind of what we did and it worked out very well. Um, I think it's a beautiful way to see both and really understand Ireland. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So now, and also the murals of Belfast are just there. You've got the artistic ones and then you've got like these, you know, political memorials that are, and then the, yeah. the wall. How do you feel about people writing on the peace wall? We opted not to write on it. We've been there twice because we thought this is a little disrespectful. Like I, we weren't sure how to feel about that. Yeah. Interesting question. Honestly, when I take tours up there, I always bring my marker. And uh, for people who don't understand the Peace Wall, um, just a, a little insight into it. We had a lot of trouble up in the north for the period of 30 years. Uh, Bill Clinton, thankfully, he was a, he's very honoured here. He helped us negotiate a peace agreement between the um, 
uh, fighting parties in 1998. Now, back in the days when the Troubles were at their height, they built these walls to separate the Catholics and the Protestants. Um, since the peace agreement, honestly, it's within the psyche of the people up there to keep the walls. That's their boundaries. They're more comfortable in it. It'll probably take generations for people to take the wall down. They're trying to, and people don't actually want it taken down. But for the people up there, the peace wall and going along where this wall divides the two and writing their literature to people who have been loved and markers or graffiti or whatever they choose on the wall, it's actually a very important thing for them to do. They're remembering the people they lost. And then even for visitors coming into the country, it's a way of leaving a little mark of respect, whether it's for somebody they knew who was Irish or who was of Ireland. Okay, good. That's It's good guidance because we didn't know how to feel about it because we were, we didn't want to make it a spectacle. We were happy for the peace. We didn't want to, I don't know, we just didn't know how to feel about it. So, yeah. 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 Okay, great. So when you think about, you know, tourists, because you interact with them often and we always encourage people, I always encourage people, especially on this podcast, to be good guests. And sometimes tourists don't even know when they're doing something inappropriate. For example, you know, I didn't know if I should sign the peace wall or not. So the next question is, you know, kind of a complete this thought statement. It makes me happy when I see tourists participating in... Oh, lots of things. Being Irish, having (laughs) the crack letting go of the inhibitions there is nothing funnier than seeing a group of people whether they're from korea whether they're from europe whether they're from the states and they're in a pub they're sampling the guinness even if they hate it they're uh, dancing and tapping their feet along to the music even though they don't understand the beat they're singing out of tune even though they don't know the words and they're irish dancing like they've no cares that is the best thing you can see (laughs) It's all us doing from anywhere because that's what Irish people do. We don't care if we make needs of ourselves is the expression we use. So to see a tourist doing that, that's just brilliant. Yeah, Love this it. is so very funny, like the distinction between the Irish and, you know, if you would say like, you know, being British, which is very much like something absurd is happening. And I'm going to pretend like nothing's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, we talk to the wall if we think the wall will listen <laughs> when the walls answer you back you know you're in trouble oh yeah (laughs) so what about um you know kind of the opposite type thought experiment if we are say like when i see tourists doing this or it makes me angry when i see tourists doing Mm. okay well i appreciate and we're very tolerant for the most part People don't understand a culture, so they do things that wouldn't be offensive in their own culture. But I pretty much guarantee, ask any tour guide or driver in this country what is their number one hate, and it will be passengers who come back to the bus late. Oh, yeah. They're working on their own time zone, or you're taking them on a walking tour. Most people are walking with you and then you'll always have the stragglers of five behind who are just, you know, living on yesterday's time zone. Um, And then they're wondering why they're missing your dialogue at each point you stop. 
that can be really, really, really hard. Or they come back to the bus late. The drivers are highly regulated. It puts everybody under stress because you have to drive quickly to get to the next stop. And that will be our number one absolute no-no. Be on time. Please be on time. The Irish are punctual people. Now we know. Good. Okay. We're not we're not at all on our own leisure time. Ah. But when it's tours, we know we have to be because if you're sixty three people on a bus and one family of five decides to do their own thing, you can be guaranteed you know the expression you guys use, um If you're uh, on if time you are late. late. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. So we have fifty five other people complaining at us because five other people are on their own time zone. So from that point of view, yeah, we're, we're not punctual at all once we're off the bus, but we are. <laughs> yeah. So just, you know, get on, get with the, get with the plot people. <laughs> yeah. It, that, yeah. I, I think people get in this mindset of this is the only time I'm going to experience it. And now it's so amazing. I'm overwhelmed by it and I want to take it in, but yeah, be aware. This is not about you in this moment. You've agreed to come on this tour now you must operate within the bounds of the tour. Yeah. Um. That's really the only thing, though. I mean, apart from that, there's another funny one. You know, you might get a, a group of people from, we just use French for argument's sake, but if they speak in French and we don't speak French, they think that, you know, speaking louder, we're going to understand them somehow better. Yeah. And they keep repeating the same thing. And we don't get it no, no matter how loud it is. <laughs> but that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, I think the argument. Sorry, go ahead. No, we just we can't crumble about it too much. It's a rarity, really. Oh, good. Well, I think the argument for both of those situations is to say, and even for the COVID situation, book a private guide that Mm. speaks your language and that has the freedom and time to work at your pace. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Nice. I don't think I've ever finished a tour on time. Uh, yeah. So as far as, you know, and this is going to be difficult to answer in one, you know, one attempt, but can you speak to attractions or destinations or historic sites that are absolutely crucial to understanding Ireland's history and culture? Uh, I try to think about this uh, uh, I was asked this question quite recently. Um, to narrow it down, I'd say there's three things that pretty much everybody should do. If you genuinely have a history, uh, an interest in history and understanding where we all began, I would encourage people to go to a place called Newgrange. Uh, ah. It's a stone Neolithic monument. It's in County Meath, which is just north of Dublin. But I would say it really is, it's the jewel in the crown of our, what we call, ancient east. It's older than Stonehenge and the pyramids. It mm. was built about, uh, 5,000 years ago. That, that's really important if you want to get with where we all began. The, yes. second, one, the second one I would say is uh, a fairly new attraction, actually, but gaining momentum, and it won the World Travel Awards there year before last hmm. it's called epic and uh epic is down on the keys in dublin city but it documents um everything from you know how irish people ended up emigrating all over the world the different struggles and sufferings we went through um, and it also gives a huge account of why 
Ireland and the States, for example, ended up with so many connections and why people like uh, President Obama, JFK, Bing Crosby, Elvis Presley, Henry hmm. Ford, Mount Valley, all had Irish heritage because they all had somebody who left here at some point. Interesting. Africa, yeah, you can trace your heritage down there too. So it's a kind of a, even just for a family interactive day, you can bring your kids in there and they can entertain themselves all day. So that's a great place to go. My third one then would be Kilmainham Jail. Uh, sounds a bit dreary, to be honest, but uh, it's one of the best tours I've ever taken. And as a tour guide, it's hard to be impressed by something. <laughs> yes. Um, it is where our rebel leaders were executed after they fought for our full, uh, freedom in uh the War of Independence, when we rose up in 1916, they were executed and a number of them were executed there. So I think definitely, again, if you want to understand, you know, where Irish people get their strength from and this rebel spirit, the tour up there is a, is a one stop. Uh, you can't miss either. They'd be my top three, to be honest. So I've done I've, I've participated in the inside tour of Newgrange, which honestly, I cannot believe that they allow people to go in there because it's it's just such, I, I can't, in my mind, I would think this is more delicate than it is. And yeah. it's it's essentially, um, you know, what, um, a t- like a tomb, a burial site. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to, I'll post a link to it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, if you can get in there now, I mean, I, I just don't even know how they're going to let people do that because the air does not circulate in there. Um, if yeah. you do not like small places, this is yeah. not for you. But yeah. we went in February, at the end of February, right before lockdown happened. Mm. And there was almost no one there. You do, you know, you are outside for some period of time. And so mm-hmm. we, we had our kids in these, we call them super suits because they're, yeah. they're just, you know, they were covered head to toe. They were totally happy. The wind was blowing and we were the cold ones. They were fine. And yes. that was appropriate. And we went because we thought it's miserable out. Tourists will not be there. And that was true. And yeah. it was amazing. So, yeah. and I've been to Stonehenge multiple times, um, maybe even five times. I don't even know. But it, to see that to compare the two is really incredible. So mm. I'm... Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And then actually, they're starting a um, a lottery on their website that you can enter and annually they will pick five names or something um, yeah. for people to go in on the so- summer solstice to watch the light come through the window. Yeah, they do that every year. It's a lovely idea. And they get thousands and thousands of people um trying to to get the tickets and things like that it really is special though if if you get the opportunity ever it really is a lottery it's fantastic but a really unique once in a lifetime experience for sure yeah yeah Yeah. i'm going to enter it every year for the rest of my life so we'll see (laughs) i'll keep you posted if i win yeah yeah so then um and then we weren't. We couldn't go to the jail because actually my son was too young, but it is on my list of to do because it does look like a great tour. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I've been in there when there's been children, and uh, 
in fairness, the guides have had to say, you know, excuse me, didn't want to be take the children out. It's probably not suitable. It's a good point to make. It's probably not really suitable, enjoyable for kids maybe under, really under 12, because a jail is not, not really going to resonate with them, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'd say go go with adults. You'll enjoy it much better. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it says that under eights won't even be admitted, is what I think that the website says. So, heads up on that one. Yeah. Well, can you um, speak to, I made this comparison in another episode, but we have something in Philadelphia called the Betsy Ross House, and it's contested as to whether or not it's a legitimate, you know, historical site, because it seems like the... um, maybe the children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, however that goes, set this thing up as a tourist attraction in order to make money because they were cash-strapped. And so it's not really mm. an authentic experience. And now it's kind of like novelty. Yeah. We do it because it's funs, you know, for funsies. But um, is there something like that you would say to tourists, you, your time is better spent elsewhere? Yeah. Um, again, the one thing I would say about here is we have enough authentic things to do that people don't necessarily need to set up something, you know, that is genuinely just a, a money maker, which is good. But when I'm finishing a tour, even or if I'm doing a walking tour, I'll always take people through Temple Bar. But my expression is, and for those who don't know Temple Bar, it is a cultural quarter, apparently. For me, I think it's just, you know, a place to get hammered. That's our, our week. <laughs> 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, I would say to people, go in, see Temple Bar, but get the hell out of it. Yeah. That would be the only place, honestly, in the whole of Dublin or the whole of Ireland where I would say, put it on your miss list. Um, yeah. Walk through it, see it, experience the buzz and get away. To be honest... If you know, for people who are looking for a genuine, authentic experience, now there's some nice restaurants in there. If you fancy great fish and chips, you can go to Burdocks or things like that. But beyond that, the pubs are not selling the best pints. They're charging more than your local backstreet pub, like the Confession Box. I probably would have recommended that to you even. You know, it's where you trap and Temple Bar is absolutely hands down a tourist trap. Yeah. And also because it's attracting large amounts of people, we don't want to, you know, that's a no, no. Yeah. 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 Go to the back streets and and get yourself a decent point, decent culture and avoid that madness and mayhem. Absolutely. That's the only thing. It is authentic in one sense in that, you know, it, it's, it's built in a very historic part of the city, but that's really where the authenticity stops, to be honest with you. Mm, mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about foods um, and when, we, when we talked about our tastes earlier, but what about, uh, so that was kind of some favorite foods and, you know, traditional tasty things, but what about, are there anything that you might say to tourists, like, here's a little bit of a warning that this is what you're getting if you order this thing? <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, I have two. Okay. So um, in Ireland, because, you know, the drinking culture is a big thing, we have what we call the hangover cure. Okay. And the hangover cure, Irish breakfast, 
Now, a full Irish breakfast, if you've had one, is lovely. It's rashers and sausages and fried eggs and tomatoes and toast and tea and all that sort of thing. But one of the components of an Irish breakfast is what we call black and white pudding. Mm-hmm. Now, close ears if you're anyway squeamish, but uh, black and white pudding, I wouldn't eat it, you know, if it was the last thing on earth. To eat. <laughs> uh, black pudding is pig's blood and fat. And white pudding is ground up bone. Uh, and it's essentially put into a... Uh, the black is put into a black skin and the white is put into a white skin. Now, people love it or they absolutely hate it. It's like ice cream. You know, you like a tub of ice cream or you hate ice cream. Personally, I wouldn't touch it, but pretty much everybody in this country was reared on black and white pudding as part of the Irish breakfast. People like the tourists will come in, they'll eat it and they might say they love it. But as soon as you tell them what it is, they'll kind of change their mind. I also say, I don't care. That is my sort of warning food. Yes. Yeah, that'll be the, the warning <laughs> food. For, for those, again, tripe is the other one to watch out for. It's the cow's intestine. And traditionally, the way to eat tripe was uncooked with vinegar. Yeah. Oh, no. But uh, now we sort of, yeah, we make kind of a stewy thing of it. So it's my other absolutely not a hope in hell am I going to eat that food. Mm. <laughs> So a couple of things we in uh, like the northeastern region, specifically in Pennsylvania, we have scrapple, which is kind of like, you know, I I won't say because my mother in law is going to hear this, but, you know, eyeballs and bottoms, oh. they, they rhymed, right? Eyeballs and something holes and they ground up and then you it's, it's it comes in a block. You slice off a piece and you put it on the griddle until it's black on both sides some people love it. My dad loves it. You cannot get me. T- no, I have never once put it in my mouth. So are there any local customs or phrases or observations that travelers should be mindful of in order to be good guests in Ireland? There is a bit of a joking expression that you can always ask an Irish person to do something and we're very accommodating. But tell us what we'll do, what to do, and we'll do the opposite and take pictures. Um, <laughs> we're just Manners is a huge one. We'll do anything for you. We'll stand on our head in the rain in the middle of a field if you're nice to us. Um, and I think sometimes coming in from other cultures where it's just it's it's not the same warmth, we find that difficult. So be you know be be polite, ask us nicely, um, and you know you'll end up with a whole pile of best Irish friends because uh, the more nice you are, the more we'll do for you. I think. Um, The other thing I'd say to people is you really, when you step into Ireland, you have to let go of your um, uptight attitude to anything because we tend to roll with it, you know, and if something happens, we just deal with it and we get on with it and we don't take anything too seriously. So people who might be very rigid, uh, apart from obviously functionality, which is important from legal driving point of view on the buses or whatever. But if you come into Ireland with the idea that now I've got to put away my suit, get into my T-shirt and shorts and just have the crack. Um, and if you feel like it, you say uh, feck. Feck is our favourite word. Um, you probably know the ruder version rate with the you or the egos. Um, <laughs> anything in Ireland, we'll call you something like, oh, you're a feckin' Egypt. 
And what that basically means is you're a silly person, you know, but our expression. So adopting the culture, let go of the boundaries, let your, you know, let your hair down. Um, and that is really the best form of observing the local custom you can do, you know. That's great. Great tips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So are there safety concerns or mistakes that travelers make when traveling to Ireland? They probably bring an umbrella thinking it's going to work when actually the wind will just blow it away like Mary Poppins. <laughs> or they arrive thinking, oh, well, you know, it does say it's going to be sunny in Ireland. But what they forget is that sunny could be minus two degrees. And ah. um, in terms of safety, I mean, you can always get around things with the weather. Um, but it, it's sad to say, but it has happened. People have gone to the cliffs of Moor. It's rated the third most dangerous uh, tourist attraction in the world. Hmm. Um, even though there's walls there and signs screaming at you, don't climb over the wall, people think they're invincible. They climb over to get the ultimate selfie, and before they know it, eight seconds later, they're in the water and they're gone. Oh. Um, and it's happened, you know, even... Last season, two or three people went in over the cliffs. So that is a huge thing. If you're coming to see what is a beautiful site, please don't climb over the wall thinking you're invincible. Um, the other one, to be honest, that I would guide against, um, and, you know, people are different, but I wouldn't kiss the Blarney Stone. Yeah. They say Blarney Stone is a, a sign of luck and all of that. Personally, I think... And again, it's a, you know, it's a lovely way to drag people to a location. But lying on a rock, uncomfortable if you have bad posture, uh, it's an uncomfortable thing, experience to do. It's very quick after queuing up for a long time. And personally, I just don't think it's hygienic to be, you know, kissing a stone that a million other people have kissed. Um, beyond that, uh, traffic, I mean, but that goes in any country, Um you know, we we drive on one side of the road and most people coming in to visit are used to driving on the other. Uh, so watching out uh, for the traffic, but you, you do that no matter what city you go into, you know. Um, and the last thing, I guess, again, would be pickpocketing. Again, mm. our crime rate here is very low. Maybe if you go into Temple Bar on a Saturday night and you're not hanging on to your camera or whatever. But we, we've only had, I think last season in total, there was only something like maybe 22 cases of reported uh, pickpocketing or whatever. But, you know, again, it's always good to throw it out there. We don't want anybody to be the one in 22 it might happen to. Mm. So really the same precautions you'd take as at home apply here, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And for that's the exact reason I have not kissed the Barney Stone because... It's not just making it up like a million other people have kisses. It's probably like three million people have kissed this. Uh, And no way. You cannot burn my lips off enough to make those germs go away. So, no. No, I I just couldn't do it. But again, it'll be interesting to see what way they manage that once uh, we've got through this whole COVID thing. You know, will you have to wear a mask to do it? Who knows? You know, but I wouldn't do it anyway. This wouldn't appeal to me. Well, Kathy, I don't, that's the end of my like formal questions. Is there anything I've missed that you want to include that I haven't, you know, that I haven't asked or that I glossed over? 
honestly, you've, you've been really thorough, Megan. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, again, as an Irish person, there's probably a million things I could talk about all day long, except for I'm mindful that you actually have other work to do, too. <laughs> and my honest thing rounding up would be to say to people, look, if you haven't been here, uh, you know, there is genuinely something for everybody. And if you're not sure, you know, I get a lot of um, contact requests where people might just be asking questions um, rather than going to Google, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would say to if anybody is contemplating coming to Ireland, you know, get in touch with me, get in touch with anybody here who's listed as a, an independent tour guide ask the questions. We're very open. We're not going to charge you to answer a question. And if it means that you'll establish, Jeannie Mac, I didn't know you could do that in Ireland or, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't know about that. We're very helpful. Get in touch with us and come, you know, uh, that that's really the best thing I can say to to uh, to round off to anybody who's listening in. I was just going to say that's a wonderful offer and I hope people take you up on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I get in questions and even travellers have had on guides, but, you know, uh, trips before. They stay in touch, you know, and if they're sending a friend over, they'll say, listen, can my friend get in touch? And it's great because you make more friends, even if they don't come for a tour. Kathy, thank you so very much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Megan. I'm very grateful that you had me on and to coin your expression or steal your thunder, I'm going to say, it's been real. <laughs> well, I'll finish by saying to everybody who's listening in, because if you don't know any Irish words, any Gaelic, it's the one to know. It's, it means good health. So particularly in this time during the COVID, I would wish everybody around the world who's listening, Slauncha, good health. What can you spell it? Yeah, S for Sierra, L for Lima, A for Alpha, I for India, N for November, T for Tango, E for Echo, Slauncha. Slauncha. Wonderful. Thank you. You're more than welcome. It was an absolute pleasure. And and Slauncha to you, Megan. Oh, Slauncha to you. Bye, Kathy. (laughs) Bye. Take care. Bye, Slauncha. Bye. You're listening to a Trav Market Media podcast. Questions, comments, collaboration ideas? Contact us at podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcasts with an S at travmarketmedia.com.